Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Featured Anime Podcast. I'm your host, Jack. And I'm Rick. And today we are talking about Perfect Blue, which was my choice for this week. And it's anything but perfect. Uh, far from perfect, at least for the heroine in this story. Seriously, though. It actually, this has a couple different start dates, depending on what you want to do. Uh, the original air date was in 97 for uh, Fantasia Film Festival in Montreal but it was actually released in theaters in Japan in 98 and then came to the U S in 99. So depending on where you're at, that's your release date for it. The producer for it was Rex entertainment. Its source is actually a novel and the genres are for it are dementia, drama, horror, and psychological ran for about an hour and 20 long. And the studio was madhouse. Now, one of the interesting things that we actually had talked a little bit about this uh, too beforehand uh, was that this was the first work of Satoshi Kon, which is the director for both this and Paprika, as well as Tokyo Godfathers and a couple other movies that are out there as well. So this was his one of his first ones. I feel like it is a a great movie in its own right, as well as the overall messaging that you can pick up from this or the overall horror aspect of it is something that is very much real, even in today's society. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but at the same time, no, like, uh, so the easiest way I can say it is the animation was very hard to watch. It makes perfect sense that it's over 20 years old. What I mean by that is, have you ever heard of the shaky camera method? Oh, yeah. It's still widely used even today. Yeah, this was frustratingly similar, but in an animated form. So, you know, it's on purpose. Well, anytime they ever do that, it's always on purpose. It's never not done on purpose. It was very it was too much, in my opinion, only because like it distracted from everything else when the main character is centered and not shaky, but the border of the screen is now granted I watch most of the things we watch on our on it's not a huge TV but I'm like 10 feet away because I never learned you shouldn't sit so close to TVs and when you look at it in that particular context it's almost like you're in a movie theater so any little imperfection is amplified it's one of the reasons why I praise the the shows that take really good care of like attention to detail it's it's honestly why I I gave our last show Ajin such a high regard because even with this blaring crap animation the story still brought me but that's that's just one more reason why you should watch that show um, this one it was very real it was raw a little bit you know it it didn't really I don't know it felt like personal experience was put into this. Cause it didn't feel 
like someone was writing a novel about something they didn't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that, or they could have also sourced it from several individuals, which is a very common practice. Um, well, yeah, no, no, which no, no, is, I guess what I mean, what I'm, yeah. So what I mean by that is it's not, it, that's very possible. That's very possible. But the realism for it and how, how it actually came across, I feel is one of the reasons what, why this is such a good movie is because it is that raw emotion, that raw feeling, that that raw sheer panic in some cases that just really come across. Yeah. And <laughs> not funny, but kinda. It's not funny in the sense that the show is funny because the show is quite dark at times. Uh, but it's funny because uh, you actually was able to, you were able to get it to me for uh, free and 15 minutes to the end, I hit pause, I go do something, I come back, and the location in which you have given it to me is no longer an option. And I'm like, oh, okay, so, I mean, it felt tense, 15 minutes towards the end, but it wasn't like it was important, you know? So, I go and I, I purchase the movie outright to watch the last 15 minutes of it. I'm so glad I did, because the last 15 minutes have you sitting on the edge of your seat and you don't even realize it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that I, I really find great about this is that the story, even all the way to the very end, just draws you in and it holds you. And sometimes you're, you're sitting there and you're waiting for that down moment. And it really doesn't come until probably close to the very end in some instances. Even still, like the, the, the suspense, it's kind of honestly, I was really impressed with how looking back, I was really impressed on how they could bring you to a suspension level where you're not uneasy, but you are tense. Yes. And that's very hard to do. And then you're like, okay, we're here right now. This is this, this tension that I'm feeling. It'll go away eventually. And the tension stays for, uh, let's say a minute, maybe. And then they layer on the uneasiness. And so it just feels like that is just weighing you down even more. Like if they would have just thrown both at you at the beginning, I don't think it would have had the same effect. Yeah. And the, the crescendo of relief that comes with it is so, I don't know, um, just impressive that like, it, the suspense doesn't hold you that long. And when they add the unease to it, when you, when you get relief from that by, because the scene like fixes itself, so to speak. Yeah. It, it's just, it, it's, it's a, almost like a masterpiece. Like, I don't know how, how else to say that. Like, it's, it's extremely well done. The writing, the choreography, the directing. I don't typically think about directing when I'm watching a movie. And this one had me thinking uh, two different things. Like, even at the same time, like, wow, this is amazing. They did a really good job. And what the hell are they thinking? Who's trying to follow this? It, it was very much a, a sixth sense kind of thing. Yeah. Where... You think one thing the entire thing, and then you've got the plot twist that, I mean, if you're paying attention, it's not a plot twist, but it, 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 you definitely, on a second watch, watch it with new eyes. Yeah, oh yeah. And that was off. Yeah, exactly. So, and again, which is why when I, we were talking about Paprika, I kind of expected it to be more so one person on the first watch through is because that's how this really perfect blue really portrayed. So you have the main character, Mima, who is the singer pop idol. She's part of a group called Cham and her producer 
wants her to move from being a pop idol to a actress and a hardcore actress, seriously taken actress. Yeah. And so he says, you need to stop the pop idol stuff. It's not enough money. You're not going to do well in that. You're not going to strive. And against Rumi, who is also part of her uh, producer entourage or her manager, uh, is against it. She does not want Rumi to or, or Mima to actually become a actress. She wants her to stay a pop idol. And you learn that Rumi is actually a former pop idol herself. So she's kind of been through the ringer. She, she's been through the motions. She knows what will destroy a pop idol. And she's very afraid because Rumi, or not, well, it happened to Rumi. And Mima's very good at singing. And she's very good at acting as well. Potentially better at acting than she is singing, which is kind of difficult to do. But I kind of felt like... You almost have to be aloof in certain situations where you have to just be oblivious to what's going on around you. Because when she decides to focus on her acting, which you know, is very early on, and, and one of the main characters you find uh, had a very, very side character vibe to me, um, which happened, which turned out to be her stalker. Um, he keeps envisioning her as the pop idol, and she's like really not. Yeah. And um, what's kind of interesting to me is. She does not leave the agency. She just leaves the portion of the agency that is singing and uh, the pop idol portion. And I don't know if I was meant to be, I don't know if this particular scene was meant to like draw out specific feelings or if it was just subjective. And I was, I was just drawing on past experience or not, but like this particular scene made me feel Jealousy, rage, upset, just uh, a range of emotions that didn't really, it didn't make sense why I was feeling them in that particular time. But when she goes back in to the agency and she's walked past her past groupmates and they're like, we made the top 100 in my head. Everyone over there is, is celebrating and they're like, we made the top 100 because you left. Like It felt very purposeful and very like we don't need you 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 actress you yeah you abandoned us and we're better off without you yeah and i i get like that's kind of like how she's more than likely feeling uh but you know you and i both know that's more than likely not the case yeah she didn't show it yeah uh, the mima fans though more than likely are, are still and they even comment on this the mima fans the people for the main character mima they have lost their mind and they're not happy with how everything's going because the directors and the story writer for the TV show that she is on. Oh, really screw her over. They screw her over big time. And, and her producer is basically just saying, Hey, you know, you just gotta have to do it. You gotta do it. You know, it's for, for you yeah. to be able to get up because this guy, Tajima, he on his word alone can get you, more roles or n- ruin your complete career and everything like that. And Rumi's not happy about it. Her manager isn't happy at all about it. And one of the scenes that's really comes into play that makes Rumi super uncomfortable and it even puts the producer in an uncomfortable situation and makes him feel uncomfortable was they were filming a rape scene in a club, a rather graphic, realistic rape scene. 
Right. Now, like a stupidly graphic rape scene. Exactly. And I'm really glad and I'm really glad that the the producer had that look and feeling of uncomfortable for the whole situation on his face because I don't I don't know what kind of person would look at that and be comfortable and just be okay with what they're seeing. And granted, it's not a real rape scene. It's not something that's truly happening. But the fact that it is even happening at all is is just ridiculous. Yeah, the, the facial expressions were really on point. Just straight out. They were on point. Even though, you're right, it was fake. This is somebody that, if you had to put yourself in the producer's position, yes, you're there to make money. Yes, like you pushed her in this direction because money was not, she was not a profitable asset to you as she, as she could have been, as you think she should be. And you take this beautiful young lady and now for better or worse, she's a woman to the public and you've kind of ruined that. So the horror that you do see on his face, I I don't even know if there was so much shame in there or even regret, but you definitely, he was horrified by what, he did. Oh yeah. He caused, I guess. Yeah. And, and it's not just that scene too. It actually, uh, takes it to a point where she's with a photographer and she herself, Mima herself, self feels shame for what's happening. And she's trying to go through it. And she's like, this is just a job. It's part of the job or whatever. And there's this photographer and her former friends, her former colleagues, we're sitting there talking crap and joking at her expense saying, yeah. Oh, you know, she's just going to sit there and just put it all out, just spread it all out there. And that's ultimately what ends up happening is the photographer is able to get her to strip down and he takes uh, nude photos of her for this photography session. And the producer is banging on the wall saying, Hey, you agreed to this. This is something that you agreed to, despite the fact that she is there now. Yeah. I do got a question real quick because the, the translation you have and the translation that I remember, it might be a little bit different um, because the one I had read, well, the one I read, the, the subbed version I had said that the, well, it, the girls were joking and said, you know, getting girls to undress is his specialty. Like yeah. that's the photographer's specialty. Yeah, exactly. Not that she's going to expose it all, but the photographer herself is exceedingly good at coaxing that out of people. Yes. But they also said after that too, that Mima wouldn't have a problem with that anyways. Oh yes. That you're right. That was there too. Yeah. And that's yeah. roughly around the time when Rumi walks in on them joking around like that. And it's just like, obviously very angry. He says, you guys need to get ready now. And then just walks out of the room. Yeah. It's also the same time where Mima kind of, I don't know, goes, goes crazy, has like a, a split in her personality, and it goes really well with the show she was actually, I don't know, starring in, produced, and not producing, uh, like showing up in, guest starring. Yeah, um, where they uh, the the character has split personality, and it it really starts playing on Mima, too, that you're while you're watching it, it's like, is this what's really going on? Is she actually starting to feel like this, or is this like it starts really blurring the lines in between the two realities for her because and it's really hard. It's kind of funny. Cause she's like, is, is my dream what's happening is, is 
is what day is it today? Did I really do that? Did, did this happen? It's almost like she had, um, like she wasn't eating or she was losing days. She was overworked under, I don't know, under self cared or something like that. She legit was going through sleep deprivation symptoms. Right. And what's also helping perpetuate this uh, loss of thought, confusion is that there's this website that she was told about Mima's room that basically is giving a true play by play of her everyday life and thoughts down to the T to where it even causes Mima to freak out and wonder what the heck is going on because this person knows every intimate detail, like their whole, her whole thought process when she steps off the train. I knew it was going to be a bad day because I stepped left foot first and she starts replaying that day, the exact day in her head. And she's like, I did start off uh, left foot first. I did. It was a pretty bad day, but I did allow myself this and all this other stuff. It's like this whole thing is going on and it starts making her question herself, her own reality. Yeah, she it's insane. Just straight out. It's that there is no better way to describe it other than that. It is insane. And the fact that you have someone that is stalking you and basically living through you to where they know your very thought process is a very scary, real thing. Even today. Yeah, like in real life. They also here's the other thing, right? Here's the thing that really made her question herself, like where it pushed it over the edge is that there was an audio clip of her saying her line over and over and over again. And it was up on the site. So you had to have been sitting there with her or be her to have that audio clip. And again, it's like if you're watching the movie the first time through, you're not really going to pick up on it. The second time through, you're like, that makes total sense now. It makes total sense why that clip was up there. And how that got up yeah. there. But that also adds to her going crazy because she was like, did I do it? It's It was creepy. And it... Internet, even at that point when the movie came out and had, or when this is taking place, had been around for a few years. I mean, like, we really started getting online yeah. around in the early, really early 90s, 94, 95. And then this movie comes out, which, again, really speaks, even though it is so dated even though it's like, hey, this is old, it's a mostly tech site, and the only way you can actually get get it on the internet, you're not going to have videos or things like that, and you can play maybe a two or three second clip or something like that, really speaks like if you are not out there and someone's out there portraying to be you, it'll cause a lot of problems, and it can cause a lot of problems. It'd, it'd be very difficult to disprove it, too. Exactly. Now, you'd be like, look, I'm here. I'm not there. Like That's not me. I don't know what's going on. I have video of proof. I have tracking i have everything back then you didn't it was a little bit more freeing i would say have you ever seen oh geez uh fight club yeah they use the same i guess videography or or video visual trick that they did in fight club that they did here where the dude what was who would they call him a uh, didn't he say it was a memory the 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 stalker guy's name was meme me marim or meme maru or something like that memora uh, you talking about Mima or Rumi? No, no, no. The the guy who was like, I am a uh, Mimaru. Oh, Mamoru. That was his name. I thought Momo- it was Ma- like M A M O R U. Maybe the guy who actually tried to rape her at the end. Yeah, Mamoru. 
That's his name. M A M O R U. Mamoru. I was reading that so wrong. I thought he was trying to say like he was another version of her. No, that's that is his I name. Thought, oh dear lord! I okay. That makes so much more sense now because I thought he was texting himself. No, in the chat room, like again, straight from from Fight Club, where the same dude's going crazy, and he's just like, uh, "What?" By the way, if you haven't seen Fight Club, you should. We don't talk about it though. First rule of Fight Club. Second rule of Fight Club: You don't talk about Fight Club. Yeah. And it, it was kind of a mind trip, no matter how you looked at it. And here, I thought that's what was happening. But now, uh, okay, so if you, if you haven't watched it yet, is, is it safe to, to, to spoil the end in this, this far into the thing, do you think? That's yeah? all we okay. ever do is spoil the ending and talk about it. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know why you're, you're asking me now. Okay, so <laughs> Rumi was actually the Mimaru's, the, the Well, yeah. The imposter Mima, who was talking to Mamoru, telling Mamoru to go around killing people. And I say killing people because quite literally, it was not just him killing people, but it was also Rumi killing people. And it was directors, the photographer, the writer for the TV show who wrote the smut scene uh even her producer got killed because after everything was done by the tv show he said hey we got her the next big thing in a movie it has a few smut scenes but eh, what can you do which you know Rumi wasn't a fan of she didn't like that yeah well here's here's the thing that kind of like gave me a trip so she only thought she was mimo when she was wearing the 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 wig when you messed up with her, with her physical ensemble image, ensemble, even a, a, any way, shape or form, the, the illusion, uh, degraded, I guess would be a good word. And she, she struggled to regain it. And like in the climax of the whole movie, Rumi's chasing hard. And all you see is this image floating, flittering beautifully, impossibly fast. And I'm watching it thinking, how much of this is real in the head? Yeah. And then you see the reflection and instead of it, instead of the, the, the imposter just jumping and skipping, you see Rumi over there, like really running, like dying. Yeah. Like she can't keep it up, but her in her crazed state, it's, it's pushing her beyond her limits. Exactly. And in her mind, she is, Mima, she's not Rumi anymore. She is Mima and she is who Mima should be in her mind. And so she is trying to eliminate the quote unquote fake Mima so that way she can take her rightful place and be the true Mima that everyone deserves to be this pop idol. And yeah, at the very end, and you, you can kind of assume that Mima continued on her actress type roles and continued on because people were like, is that who I really think it is? Because it's been a couple of years. It's been quite some time yeah, has passed. It's a three years later, I think. Yeah. And you see Rumi in the hospital in a psych ward, basically saying that she is Mima and believing that she truly is. And the doctor says to Mima every once in a while, Rumi does come back that her personality of Rumi comes back but it's very small and fleeting and it just goes right back to her believing that she's you. And Mima says, yeah, I have 
no expectations of Rumi ever coming back. She has died a long time ago to me in a matter of speaking. That's, that's, I was just, that's deep. That's crazy and deep. And I don't know because it, so the entire time Mima's actually hallucinating that she's got her pop idol personality running away from her and chasing her and doing stuff. So wouldn't that be, I mean, obviously it's not, but wouldn't it be kind of interesting if she lost that persona and the persona ran to somebody who would accept her? And that's how that came to be. Maybe that'd be pretty interesting. But I think ultimately what it was, was that she was struggling with her own personal demons with what she was doing and what her producer was saying that she needed to do. And you could even hear that when she was on the phone in the beginning with her parents, Mima on the phone with her parents, she said, Hey, you know, I'm not going to be a pop idol anymore. I'm just going to go into actress because that's what I want. Pop idols are so last year, blah, 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 blah. And her parents weren't even happy about that. They were, they were sad. They were like, well, is that what you wanted to do? Isn't being a pop idol what you really wanted to do? Cause your uncle, he goes out and buys 10 copies every time you have a CD come out. Yeah. So they're, Super supportive family. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's not like she had no support. And it, it, it almost felt like the producers, because of the money, decided that this would be a good move for her. Strike while the iron's hot, so to speak. And actually, you know what this reminds me of? I sent you that, that, that short video that I heard recently. And I was like, wait a second. This mirrors the movie almost verbatim. Like, it, it's crazy. Um, this producer guy uh, sees this 17 year old. And he's like, Hey, you have what it takes. I want to sign you. Um, I can make you, I think it's like, I can make you flourish. And she's like, absolutely. Um, but what she didn't know is the producer was just in it for the money. Yeah. And then the producer gets her to go to LA in this particular case, it wasn't LA. And I don't think she moved that all that far. I don't think she moved all that far, but still like it, it's, she had to live in her own place. And the producer's like, hey, you know, you sign this contract, you you got to go do this. Yeah. That perfectly mirrors the whole, you signed a contract, you you, you agree to do this photo shoot, you you got to do these pictures, even if you don't want to. Basically, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it it's messed up. I mean, like, no matter what happens, when someone takes advantage of someone, whether you're a girl or guy being taken advantage of in an industry, it's screwed up no matter what, because you will be put in situations that you're not comfortable with at all that you have no control over. And it's literally a make or break in your career. Yeah, exactly. And most people just with that end uh, goal in mind, will continue to push on, will continue to press on for that. And it's unfortunate. It really is because yeah, I mean, if you don't do this, we won't give you any more opportunities. You have the potential, but you got to, it's, it's dirty, dirty the way the power dynamic is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, overall, though, yeah, no, on totally a scale good. of up to 10, how would you rate this? The first watch through was like a five. The second watch through was considerably more only because I had the knowledge of what was going on. And it was just straight up just impressive that the little I don't know, the, the little uh, hints, let's call them. Yeah. The little uh, like the, the, the things they're noticeable. They're so obvious on the second watch through. And because of that, the second watch through got a nine out of me. So I'm going to even those out and, and throw it a, a an eight. An eight. The animation sucked as far as I was concerned at the very beginning, but that's all I was paying attention to. I'm going to give it an eight because it, it did it did warrant an immediate second viewing, 
which doesn't happen very often. No, not at all. What about you? Uh, I'm also giving this one a nine. And the reason why I'm well, giving I, this one a nine is because one, I actually seen this before. I've seen it a couple of different times. I have fond memories of it and revisiting it even years later, even all these years later, when I first watched it back in like 2002 was when I first watched it 18 oh, years later, still holds up, yeah. still is a great movie to me. And it, I, I got to give it a nine because of that animation for its time was good. Even by today's standard, it's still decent and it held up well, especially for it being over 20 years old. Yeah. When you look at it with those eyes, yeah, it's, I'm surprised you didn't give it a 10. I can't give it a 10 simply because of there being a few animation flaws that just like kind of throw me off. Like some of the eyes are a little, just like, it looks like they're little fish eye. All right. Yeah. A little, a little, a little, a little, a little, a little, a little. <laughs> on one eye and then a little bit more so on the other eye. But which is why I can't give it a 10. There are some even even for it being such a great, great one. Great movie. I got to give it a nine uh, and I can't go with the 10 simply because it does have some some visual imperfections. It's just kind of like throw me off and don't really jive with me. I like the fish eyes in some spots, but it is a great movie. Yeah. Otherwise, it is really good. It holds even today. Um, if you want to watch something that's very, very much a. Uh, horror centric in a manner of speaking and not traditional horror, but horror in the fact that it's like realistic, especially for this, uh, for this time of year, because we're recording this in October. So yeah, tis the season to watch things that make you feel very uncomfortable and that are very, uh, very psychological and make you feel uncomfortable. This is one of those movies. This is one of those shows that you should watch. You know, I think that's actually a really good segue. I don't, I don't think it was intentional. But that's a really good segue into our next few, I think, uh, choices because it is the season. It is now technically the October month, the uh, the Halloween month. Uh, my choice, it's my choice next week, right? Yes, it is. Okay, I'm going to go with a series we actually talked about. Um, God, how long ago did we talk about it? Tell me the series and I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, we talked about it not like literally a few uh, hours ago. Oh, uh, 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 Promised Neverland. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It was recommended to us and we got to talking about it. And yeah, it was on one. Of the, it, we did an episode a long time ago where we were talking about the shows that were interesting to us. And that came up as yours. And you've got interesting ideas on it that I'd like to explore on my own. Let's say yeah, it is worth so, the watch. And it is definitely falls in the line of what would qualify a good, a good show for. Halloween, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and uh, luckily, Promised Neverland comes out is coming out with the season two s- soon too. So that, which is also really great, I'm happy about that. Better get season one out at least, right? Yeah, exactly. Might might as well get season one knocked out. So uh, the genres for this are sci-fi, mystery, horror, psychological thriller, and shonen. Shonen. Yep. That surprises me. Yep. It's a little bit. It's it's not so much on the show, but there are some spots where you're like, yeah, I can get that. I can get that. OK. Huh. I um, look forward and, to it. Yeah. And it's only 12 episodes long, so it's not a very long one either. So who knows? Maybe y'all can talk to us in the discord about it. If you've already seen it, I'd like to. Well, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I really do like spoilers. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a huge fan. My opinion is it's not the destination. It's the journey. So if I know where I'm going, even better. Indeed. And uh, thank you, uh, 
Tobiyashi067 on Twitter for giving us the recommendation. Something that uh, I'm going to look forward to revisiting. I know Rick is going to definitely probably enjoy this. I hope he does. Um, And until next time, feel free to reach out to us on Discord. Be happy to carry on a conversation on there. Obviously, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Those Anime Guys, Featured Anime Podcast on Facebook, Featured Anime Podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us. And if you listen to this on YouTube, go ahead and just leave a comment. Be happy to respond to you on there. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you happen to listen to us on. It will help us out. It will gain us better discoverability so that way we can reach more people that want to hear great content like this, or at least I think it's great content. I agree. Uh, And until next time, I'm Jack. And unless I go through a psychotic break, like we just saw in this film, I'm Rick and we'll see you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.